I'm Rachel, the creative director for Ram Dass's Love Serve Remember Foundation, and I'd like to welcome you to our Inner Academy, a virtual Dharma Hall where our family of wisdom teachers will help you navigate your daily life by bringing ancient wisdom into a modern context. With over 200 hours of audio and video teachings, meditations, and practices from teachers like Ram Dass, Krishna Dass, Sharon Salzberg, Jack Kornfield, Roshi Joan Halifax, Joseph Goldstein, and many more, the Inner Academy is your core resource for finding balance, presence, and navigating the ups and downs of your daily life. The Inner Academy has guidance for every step of your journey. Choose from an annual or monthly membership and gain access to past and future courses, retreat replays, virtual community, and much more. If you've been familiar with Love Server Member Foundation for a while, you'll know that most of our offerings are given freely or on a sliding scale basis. So when you subscribe to the Inner Academy, you're paying it forward and bolstering our ability to continue creating accessible offerings for all in the future, as Ramdas wished for us to do. Be here now and start your journey with Ramdas's Inner Academy today. For more, visit ramdas.org forward slash Inner Academy. Welcome to Conda Mason's Brown Rice Hour, a podcast that quilts together a fabric of connection between land, race, money, culture, and spirit. Discover a connection that engages with the most inspiring and cutting-edge thought leaders today, pointing toward our collective healing and liberation. If you are interested in supporting the Brown Rice Hour, please visit BeHereNowNetwork.com forward slash Conda. Hi. Hi. Well, you have I such know. a good radio voice, Conda. Oh, I thank you. Really, um, <laughs> I got that deep voice. I am um, welcoming you to my podcast. This is I'm Conda Mason, and this is my my new podcast that is called the Brown Rice Hour. And the Brown Rice Hour is. Uh, we're having conversations, intersectional conversations um, of land, race, money, culture, and spirit. And mm. I am super excited to have you with me today. Today, I have my good, dear friend and comrade, Anasa Troutman, with me. And thank you for saying yes, Anasa. Asking me, I would never say no to you. <laughs> <laughs> that was never even a thing. Not even a thing. That's Never good. even a thing. That's really. I mean, it's already you, but then you want to talk about all my favorite things all at one time. Yes, I know, that. right? I know. There's so much to talk <laughs> about. There's so much to talk about all those issues, and um, and so I always begin by opening up sacred space, and one yes. of the things that I do is um, just acknowledge the land where we are, the indigenous land, and. I'm um, on Ohlone land here in Oakland, California, um, the uh, Ohlone people. And um, I wanted to ask you if you know the indigenous people of the land where you You know, I do know. And we have been doing this um, um, community engagement process for the past six weeks, I guess, Mm -hmm. over at Claiborne Temple. Uh Uh-huh. And we wrote this whole land acknowledgement oh. that we read every week for oh. everybody. And I'm trying to find this so I can oh. read it to you because it's really beautiful. 
Mm. I'm going to be able to find it quickly, though, so. Okay. Well, I probably Maybe I'll have to come back to that. Yeah, you can come back. And they can edit it in. Exactly. We can edit it in. Yes. So, um, as the other part of uh, sacred space, I like to just acknowledge our ancestors. That's an important part of my life constantly, constantly Uh thinking about uh, being informed by the energy of the ancestors and knowing that, you know, their love and resiliency is why we're here today, knowing what they went through, you know, and and they kept on keeping on and here we are. Uh So I want to give that acknowledgement as well as, um, you know, wanting to be good ancestors ourselves and for those who are coming behind us, so... I just like to center ourselves in that kind of energy, yeah. Thank you for doing that. I found our land acknowledgement, which is really long. (laughs) So we're not going to read it, but we are on Chickasaw land here in Memphis. Okay. Chickasaw. Right along the mighty Mississippi. So you are there in Memphis, Tennessee. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. I love it. I love it. And um, the last time I was there... It was so wonderful to spend just a few hours on my way to the airport, right? (laughs) (laughs) We had a chance to talk and break some bread. It was a magical few hours, though. It was. It was really Mm -hmm. beautiful. And I'm looking forward to coming back to Memphis. I um, I was my first time in Memphis. Really? Yeah. Will not be your last. No, no, not at all. Mm -mm. Not at all. You know, and I have such a long history of music business in my in my bones, in my soul, yep. the work that I've done. And Memphis is such a center of music and so black music. It is. it is. Yeah, yeah. I often say that creativity is Memphis's number one natural resource. Creativity. Mm-hmm. I love it. Mm-hmm. I love it. I love it. And I would say in Oakland, it's, um, uh, you know, it's like... Um, Activism. Yes. <laughs> it's our number one export. <laughs> number one natural resource. Exactly. <laughs> Panthers. <laughs> uh, so I'm going to begin by, uh, you know, reading this incredible bio. Oh, me, gosh. Know. Yeah. So oh, just, just, yeah, okay. just bear with me. Bear with me. <laughs> all right. Because we got to let folks know who you are and mm-hmm. all how amazing you are. So I I see that you, so in, in, in a sentence, I would say um, that um, Anasa is leveraging stories for social impact leveraging stories and you have done so many things so Mm. it begins with um saying a cultural strategist a writer a producer an entrepreneur anasa is committed to shifting global culture to a culture of care and as president and ceo of the big we i love that the big (laughs) we anasa and her team engage deeply in storytelling as a pathway to this transformation and execute culture-based strategies for artists, organizations, and brands that are aligned with their vision of a just and loving world. Based in Memphis, Tennessee, Anasa's provided strategic and creative support in many important cultural, political, and social justice spaces, but is best known for her work as a strategic advisor and executive producer for the longtime friend an amazing badass artist, <laughs> India Ari. Yeah. Yes. And Anasa's latest project is the restoration 
of the historic Claiborne Temple, the Memphis Church, that was the organizing headquarters of the sanitation worker strike strike of 1968, where Martin Luther King Jr.'s his last campaign, and transforming it into a center to build cultural, economic power with Memphis's African American community. Amen. From your lips Amen. to God's ears. Wow. I mean, you know, it goes from there's so many things you're good at and that you. <laughs> I mean, honestly, it blows my mind. It's like, and, and I know that people also look at, you know, the things I've done and they go, what does this have to do with that? But I get it. I see. I know you do. It. That's why I love you so yes. much because all the things I do are all the things you do. Yes. And I you see the connection. Better. No, no. Hey, hey, hey. Wait, wait, wait. Ho, ho, ho. Not, not true. Not true. <laughs> not true. Maybe you've been doing them a little longer because I'm yes, older, but that's bit. about it. Just that's about bit. it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I always start my, my, my podcast off with this question. It don't have nothing to do with nothing that we just mm-hmm. talked about, okay? Here's yep. the question. All right. So the brown rice hour is called the brown rice hour because um, brown rice was one of the most pivotal, um, when I got introduced to brown rice and started eating brown rice, it was one of the most pivotal times in my life. This is when I changed my entire life. I changed my diet. I mm. did this whole um, macrobiotic mm-hmm. um, movement was out then. This was in 1975. Mm-hmm. And, um, and the eating of brown rice became this incredible change in my life and Mm. my whole constitution and everything Mm. changed. And I was, um, microbiotic for a while and and the basis is brown rice and it became this comfort food, this food that I just, Mm. mm. and, and so brown rice for me is something that I still love today, but it was really a pivotal point for me mm. as, as, as strange as that may sound. And so my first question, cause I believe I love food. All right. <laughs> and I think food tells a story. Food mm-hmm. tells us, uh, tells a story about a people. I agree. And I'm curious to ask you what as a child was your favorite comfort food <laughs> and who prepared it? What an interesting question. You know, I don't remember my mother cooking a lot. Okay. We always talk about this. <laughs> I basically learned how to cook from Martha Stewart and B. Um, Smith uh-huh. okay. when I was in college. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know we ate, but I don't remember time in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. But I really loved two things what when I they? was a child. Was One it? of them was blueberries. Blueberries? And the other thing was avocado. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And my mother, they used to call me the blueberry monster, as a matter of fact. That's how much I love blueberries. <laughs> and I just remember, you know, just eating raw, plain old blueberries or avocados. Wow. Where did you yeah. grow up? I grew up in Jersey. In New Jersey. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. I did. I I was a big fan of peanut butter and jelly. I will not lie. Mm-hmm. But if you were asking about comfort, like what my favorite things to go to, yeah. and I just was yeah. like, I just want to feel all yeah, juicy. Just, yeah, yeah. Blueberries and avocados. Blueberries and avocados. For sure. For sure. To this sure. day. To this day. Well, that's interesting. I am um, blueberries. Absolutely, my favorite berry. I have a ton of it, and I freeze them. And I have, I have tons about of frozen. three gallons of wild blueberries in my freezer right now. Right now. Yeah. Right now. Yeah. I can dig it. And I, <laughs> I put them in smoothies. You put them in smoothies? I sure do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Good. And you know what? Guess what? 
I have a garden out front, you know, like a lot of people, you know, what do you do during coronavirus? Garden, right? Garden and bake. I'm gardening, mm-hmm. but I, I, and that's, I love to garden anyway, but I, um, someone gave us, um, my sister who I live with for her birthday this last month, um, blueberry plants. No. And I am growing two blueberry uh, plants. What? Yes. And one of them so far is doing do really good. That's awesome. Yeah. And That's awesome. I'm very excited. So as soon as the blueberries come, I am going yes. to package up a little Ziploc bag. I accept. Sending it straight to Memphis. I accept. <laughs> you know, that's one of the reasons I've been practicing indoor gardening and like mm-hmm. right now I want to buy a house just so I can have a real garden outside I'm like the only mm-hmm. reason I want to buy a house is for a garden in a real kitchen yeah yeah garden in a real mm-hmm. kitchen mm-hmm. I know there's nothing like food and, mm-hmm. and fixing your own food and mm-hmm. especially growing it and fixing mm-hmm. it I love it different it makes it it makes life feel different yeah it is it is it mm-hmm. is I remember my my um, mother's family were farmers <clears throat> right and my mother grew up on a farm and I remember my grandfather when he lived in Springfield Massachusetts at the later end of his life mm-hmm, mm-hmm. going to his house and going in his garden and just picking fruit and vegetables mm. just eating right off the vine and then we lived in Charleston for a little while when I was a kid and my mother had a humongous garden oh wow all right humongous garden growing up and all vegetables and fruit mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and just feels like something you're supposed to do we are supposed to yeah we are supposed to i'm out there growing a lot of food right now and it's great it's great there's nothing like it and so one day day it's coming (laughs) i'm like i've been looking for like a big old plot of land for probably a year in Memphis. When I decided I was going to stay here, because, you know, I was supposed to be here for six months. Right. But after I decided I was going to stay, I'm like, oh, I need to find some land. Okay. Figure You're looking out. for some land right now mm-hmm. in Memphis, in the Memphis yeah. area. Yeah. Memphis, northern, northern Mississippi, you know, around okay. there. I have this, like, if you ask anybody in my family, like, what's my ultimate goal? They'll tell you the compound. They Everybody knows it. The I've compound. I've been talking about it for years and years and years because when what's I was- compound? When I was in my, I guess, late 20s, early 30s, mm-hmm. I was really, really keen on living in an intentional community. Yeah, beautiful. And I traveled around looking for one. Like, mm-hmm. I was serious. I was doing it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I literally never met one other Black person at any of the places that I met and visited. Yeah. And in some places, yeah. it was, like, so bad that it was... I knew that I was going to become a novelty. I would be yeah. like, oh, we got a black one. You know? <laughs> just driving right in. Didn't even have to go find her. She just showed up. We got one. We got one. Yay. And I was like, yeah, no, I'm not. No, thank you. Because it doesn't yeah, feel like, do that. that doesn't feel like community to me. No, no. And it also doesn't feel like that kind of community that I want to live in. Because for me, the whole point right. of intentional community is practicing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for the a future, community like of practice. practicing the the world that we want to. That's right. That we want everybody to live in, and right. the world that I want everybody living is not the world where there's one black woman who's a no. novelty. That's not no. the world. No. So no. I have been like mm-hmm. hell bent on building this community for years at this point. Mm. So much so that my family knows that like 
it's coming and when it doesn't mm-hmm. need to pack their stuff and let's go. Mm. So maybe maybe it's gonna be here. Is it is there room for for another little black girl to come what? up at the, Listen, at the compound? There is nowhere that I am that you can't go. Well, let me tell you something, my dear. <laughs> I too have had an ongoing deep desire to live in intentional community. Have you? Yes, I have. Whoa. And it's um I was just talking about it just the other day to some friends and um very interesting that you we need to talk offline about this because I really am very interested and I've been wanting to do it for a long time yeah and um you know the parameters of it like you know what I want to do is get out of Americans say they want to do certain things that sound Mm -hmm. collective but when you boil down to it if it ain't about you know no right Mm -hmm. because we have this me 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 Mm -hmm. mentality that is not collaborative that is not it's our culture Mm -hmm. and so it's like how do we get through that barrier that stops us that stops us and so I am really interested in that because I honestly I would love nothing more in life than to live in an intentional community yeah nothing more I think it's the only way to get to where we want to go yeah because everything yeah. that all these things that we talk about, they're to, they're totally in theory. Yeah, that's even right. Like because even the most whatever of us, we still live a normal American life. We, that's right. we just do. And and in order for us to get to the point where we can invite people into larger and larger communities, mm-hmm. then we have to actually start somewhere. And that's yeah. for me why why I mean the only way to the only way for any of us to be able to have that life is to be able to do it together. That's right. Because when you're doing it by yourself, you're not doing it. <laughs> you're not. You're really not. You're not. Doing it. You're not. And, and, and I think it's going to be yeah. hard, but it's going to be, you know, beautiful. And just think about, you know, what it means to have mm-hmm. like actual community and what that would be like mm-hmm. for the children to grow up in the place like mm-hmm. that. I just think about my niece and nephew and mm-hmm. what it would be like for them to grow mm-hmm. up in a place where they were. 20 houses and they can knock on any right. any any one of the doors or just you know what I mean just right yeah right be cared for and and experience all kind of wonderful things and yeah big community dinners on Thursday nights that's and, right that's and, right you know that's movies right. outside and ponds right. and all I mean that's just right. all the things I love it right all a the things area yoga area mm-hmm. garden all that, that. We all I have a whole design in my mind, Conda. Like, I've been taking this okay. down the road. Okay. okay, so let's talk about it and let's figure it out because I swear I am okay. serious. You heard it here first, folks, okay. on the Brown yeah. Rice yep. Hour. Yep, y'all heard it. Brown Rice <laughs> Hour, you heard it. <laughs> we we're doing do it. it. We're doing it. Mm-hmm. We're doing it. And we're doing it. And, you know, this yeah. brings me to an interesting question that I wanted to talk to you about, too. Yeah. Um, and it has to do with, in your, in your bio, you talked about shifting global culture yes. to a culture of care. Yes. And I really want to talk about this culture of care, you know, because mm-hmm. I I think um, I feel like we and again, going back to the American culture of separation yeah. um, is that we have defined our um, who we care about so narrowly. Yeah. Right. Because um, it's either me or, you yes. know, at my family, my my my. Yes. And and that's usually just my nuclear family because cousins right. and, no. and granny and all them don't necessarily right. have no. fit into it, right? And and a few friends can come in, mm-hmm. you know, 
But basically, we have this culture that is, I think of it as um, this culture of me. And yeah. that there's this filter that I think that one of the first filters that happens in our minds is like, um, in general, like, for example, there's so many things trying to get your attention, right? For when you're going down the street, just billboards or ads online, everybody's trying to get your attention. Hmm. And there's this filter that we have, this natural filter that says, what's it got to do with me? Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so like, I could see something about, you know, um, owning a, a boat or whatever, I, yeah. you know, what's that got to do with me? Yeah. Right. And so yeah. we start to narrow down to what's it got to do with me. And then yeah. we find something. Oh, okay. Now this little area has to do with me. Yeah. <laughs> right. And I think that I, I'm, I'm curious about, and, and I want to have a conversation with you about mm-hmm. what has happened here across the planet, across the globe, around the murder of George mm. Floyd. Okay. Where the entire world mm-hmm. has shown care mm-hmm. and has been impacted. Mm-hmm. And it's like something happened that allowed that horrible murder mm-hmm. to jump over this filter of what's it got to do with me. And people seem to have widened their, their definition of me. Mm-hmm. Like, Maybe they have widened their definition of me. Maybe Mm -hmm. that's what's happening. How did that happen? Why did that happen? (laughs) And one of the things I think about is that the coronavirus has tenderized Mm -hmm. everybody, right? Mm -hmm. Like we're 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 wearing it on on our on our on our skin, and Mm -hmm. and we're rooting for life. We're rooting for life in this time of coronavirus. We're rooting for care for our life for others' lives, and then this heinous outrageous thing happens yeah but i do think that i'm hopeful and maybe you know i'm the glasses half full kind of girl me too is it that i'd love to get your take on it that how do you think that perhaps the the definition of me and care has widened or do you think it's just an anomaly um <laughs> <laughs> I'm I okay. So this is oh boy. I'm always out myself. I always yeah, out out myself as an esoteric kooky lady. So um <laughs> so I think a couple things are true. Okay. The reason why I am optimistic and that I'm a, ha- a glasses half full kind of girl is because I believe that the spiritual evolution of humanity is inevitable. I think it's happening all the time because I think the reason why humans come down to the planet earth is for our souls to learn and grow and evolve. So we are here, then we are opening up. We're blossoming as just beings. Just from being here. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And the more humans come to earth and the more time we spend inhabiting this planet, the further humanity goes down that road mm-hmm. of ascendance, okay. if you will. So the arc of the moral universe is long, but it bends towards I justice. I actually believe that that's true. Okay. I really, really do. I do too. And I think, it, mm-hmm. I think it bends more towards than just justice. I think it bends mm-hmm. towards joy. I think it bends towards love. I think it bends towards community. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And justice too, because if you have all those things, then you have justice. So yeah, right. I do think that. Okay. I also think... Mm-hmm. 
God bless them. This president that we have, I think, has yeah. also really contributed to people being like, wait a minute. <laughs> wait, wait a minute. Wait a minute. This can't be right. Right. Like, right. This right. can't right. be. Right. This is a little extreme. <laughs> terrible to laugh about that. It's terrible. But I think so. I think that, like, I think that people are awakening to the possibility mm-hmm. that some of the things that we've been saying are true for the last whatever our lifetime mm-hmm. are are true mm-hmm. right Who's um, we? we've been saying you oh, don't that's know black so people. funny i was i literally meant we like me and you literally meant that <laughs> but i also <laughs> okay mean black people mm-hmm. i mean mm-hmm. women i mean okay. people who are concerned with humanity yeah people who are maybe a little bit further down that road of awakening Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. who are really thinking about um how to care for each other in a different kind of in a more robust more holistic way yeah i think that um people who are fighting for justice people who are you know Mm -hmm. who are um, fighting for the least of these Mm -hmm. all those that whole list of people have been saying like wow y'all this isn't working right not and working. the majority of people have been like, it's totally working. What it's are you working talking for me. about? It's working <laughs> right. for me. Right. Working for me. And now mm-hmm. I think even the people for whom it is working yeah. are starting to see, oh crap, it really is not working for them. It right. really is not. And it's not okay. And it's not right. ju- and it's not just because they're lazy or because they're whatever. It's like, whoa, like this dude is really whoa. Yeah. yeah. Right. And yeah. the to put to put a face and a personality yeah. Yeah. on the punitive nature of America and American right. culture on communities that have been underestimated and under resourced and underserved mm-hmm. and in some cases just flat out beat down mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. has been, I think, another step. Like that's step mm-hmm. two. Like step one was like we're humans and we're growing. Step two was like, whoa, this dude mm-hmm. is putting a microscope mm-hmm. on what it looks like for people to be systematically um oppressed yeah violated yeah. um all those things um and i do think the coronavirus what coronavirus did was two things i think one i think it did three things i love that you said that we're, we're we want to live like we're looking for life that's so beautiful because i never considered that language but i think that that's true people are afraid and they're looking for signs of life yeah I also think that <clears throat> that coronavirus had us spend two months listening to the news talking about how black and brown people are dying yeah. faster, yeah. more, yeah. right? Faster, more and higher numbers, yeah. talking about you know, pre-existing conditions and the in the the socioeconomic root of those can those pre-existing That's conditions. Right. And like America is more uh, acutely aware and educated about mm-hmm. poverty and mm-hmm. racism and what that has done to the conditions of Black America mm-hmm. to the point where we're dying faster, yeah. right? And in, yeah. in higher numbers. The other thing that coronavirus did was have everybody sit on their butts at home for That's three right. months. That's right. And They're those not busy of us that there. have a contemplative practice understand the power of silence and stillness. That's right. And the whole world, duh, the whole entire world has been mm-hmm. still mm-hmm. since March. Quiet. At least. Quiet. Right? Mm-hmm. And so, like, I think the combination of those things mm-hmm. 
set the stage for us to watch collectively George Floyd be murdered. And I think it wasn't just those things, but it was also the nature of his murder. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because what we what we have seen in the past from police murders of black men and women yeah right have been really violent they've been like kinetic like moving around and rustling and uh, there's been like very struggle struggly mm-hmm. but we literally saw this man was like so casual about it it was mm, so, hands in his pockets it was like he was Mm-hmm. literally kneeling on the grass at the park, right? It was like, there was no argument to be made about, oh, well, if he had just not resisted arrest. Oh, if he had not done this thing. Oh, if he had not been running. Oh, if he had just followed orders. There was right. no space for all of the arguments that people always make right. about why someone, right. quote unquote, deserved to be murdered by the police or why they could have avoided or why it was their mm-hmm. fault. There right. was no, there was no, there was no, yeah. there was no nothing anyone nothing. could have said because the man legit looked like he was out to tea. Like it was just like, yeah. And I, and I, <laughs> And I know that people are having a hard time right now. I know that people are feeling uh, destabilized by the by the coronavirus and by the response to George Floyd's murder. But I am actually pretty damn excited about it mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. I feel like finally, y'all, mm-hmm. we're having a whole conversation. Right. Finally. 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 In people America. are saying like white people are like, oh, wait. Oh, racism is the real right something's wrong yes something's really wrong and do you know how many black friends i have had conversations with who have been like whoa i was asleep at the wheel because i've been mimicking white male behavior my entire career to make it in corporate america and now i realize it's time for me to wake up see and those have been the most powerful conversations i've had see it's been it's been amazing yeah well, you know, the role of white supremacy that has infiltrated everything, everything. is in all of us. It's like mm-hmm. the white supremacist in me yep. That's right. has moments when I go, oh, check myself. That's right. Right. And so it's not it's, it, this is not just, you know, it affects white people. It is it all of us, everybody. everybody. And we yeah. have tried so hard to to mimic that which is actually killing us. That's right. Um, the lack of sacredness is what mm. I always point to. Mm. You know, mm. we don't we don't have anything that's sacred. No. That that and that is at the bottom of a mentality and ideology that has wiped out sacredness. Yeah. And so you can do anything, right? Literally. You can literally do anything mm-hmm. because there's no moral foundation around what is sacred. Mm-hmm. And what then that leaves everything available to you mm-hmm. to do. And whether it's destroying that tree over there or mm-hmm. whatever or it might be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All of it. Mm-hmm. And so, am- yeah, we, we are all following that model. Yeah. And, um, I have to say that, you know, black and brown folks are not exempt from that. And we 
it's very interesting. I'd love to hear or be a fly on the wall in those conversations you have with Black. <laughs> I haven't had any, but I have a warning that mm-hmm. I've been giving us. Oh, it's coming. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's coming. I've been, yeah. Exactly. The other thing that's been super interesting because, you know, white supremacy is derivative of patriarchy. Right. So I have also been having a lot of conversations with men about as many with men as I have about with white people about like, this is not the time for us to just be like, we need to focus on race and we'll talk about gender. No, 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 no. no. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) Let's get down to the problem. Don't do it. Don't do it. No, we're not doing that. And it's been really, um, the resistance I've gotten in those conversations is mm-hmm. more than the resistance I've gotten in conversations about race. It's and is that with, 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 with men of color? Yeah. Mm-hmm. 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 Not, not one, <laughs> not one to be a part of the problem. <laughs> not one mm-hmm. to be part of the problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's a beautiful time to be alive. It's it is an amazing time. time. It's an it amazing really time. really, hard but very very rich it is and why i think one of the reasons why it's so rich is that black women listen let's just say it are come on the way yeah black women are absolutely leading the way i mean we're uniquely positioned to do that yeah we are (laughs) you know and the truth is i mean which my truth the thing that i think is true is that what is happening right now is you know, as we talk about the evolution of humanity, it's time for the rise of the divine feminine. In order for the divine feminine to live and be robustly in the forefront, then patriarchy and white supremacy have to die. They have to die. That is where we are. And if you want to talk about the embodiment of the divine (laughs) feminine and that sacred that you were talking about, that's Black women. Mm -hmm. It is. And I think that there's just this natural movement. As you Mm -hmm. said, I love what you first said about this experiment called humanity on the planet where we've come here to just evolve and to go through all this stuff and to figure out, get over these obstacles, you know, and say, right, exactly. It's school. We all in school. And for that natural evolution right now, what is rising, seeing black women rising in this natural evolution. Okay. When I look at, you know, the movement for black lives, when I think about all the sisters that are in the lead and not only sisters, but queer sisters as well. Okay. Let's talk about that. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about it. And that this is the moment that is just this this leaderful mm-hmm. movement mm-hmm. that is rising is mm-hmm. is impeccable. And yeah. I am loving watching this happen. <laughs> Me too. I gotta say. I'm loving it. <laughs> Me I'm too. loving it. Like finally something I can get behind. Yes. Come on, y'all. Let's go. But you know, one of the things that comes to me is when I think about this upcoming election in November. Ciao. Are we talking about this election? Okay. Yeah, I'm going I'm going to go there. Because here's the deal. Here's the deal. White women. God bless them. God bless them. And my dearest friends, honestly, mm-hmm. have put this man in the White House. And we know mm-hmm. that. Yeah. So it's like, what you going to do now? Will they keep him there? Is the question. Will they keep him there? Mm-hmm. And what does it take? For black women and white women to understand, to get over our huge divide that we have. Mm. Okay. Right. Can we, well, you're again, 
glass is half full. So you're going to say, yes, it's possible. But what will it take for that, for Black women and white women to actually, and women of color and white women, and understand each other in a way that we are working towards the divine femininity? So I believe that what is required for Black women and white women to um, be able to work together for that is for white women to reconcile their relationship, their historical relationships in the slave economy mm-hmm. with their husbands, mm-hmm. the, their mm-hmm. slave-owning, land-owning husbands, mm-hmm. <laughs> and the role that they played in the home, the role mm-hmm. that they played in the terror, mm-hmm. and also yeah. the pain of... Um, Mm-hmm. not being able to live in their own full humanity. Right. Right? Like, what right. is it like to be a woman who is married with children and know that your husband is out raping women every night? That's right. And you see, and I, it, this is, I'm so happy you said this because I have the theory as well that white women who were white, obviously, mm-hmm. but very disempowered as women. Very. Time, very disempowered. Very. You know, um, the man owned the land mm-hmm. and the plantation. Even got these their, children. Even it was their daddy's land. Even though it was their daddy's own. land, they, they didn't own it. That's own. right. Mm-hmm. And then you walk around and suddenly you see these mixed race babies on the yep. plantation. And you know them, your husband's mm-hmm. baby. Mm-hmm. You know good and well. You yeah. know. Mm-hmm. You know. And so what you do, because you have no power with the mm-hmm. husband, you take it out on the black house slave, yep. female house slave. Yeah. Right. And that schism and that whole historical um, harm is playing out, I think, right now. And not only do you take out your pain and your your um, disillusionment Mm -hmm. on the folks who you feel like you have power over, who in this case are Black people, Black men and women, Mm -hmm. but you also double down on your commitment to your white husband, your white land on your right. owning husband. Right. Because you have to, you feel like you have to, because if you don't, what are you going to do? Where are you? And so you can't be, you can't like the cognitive dissonance of That's this right. is, this is evil, but I have to stay here. Right. It's too much. So you right. go, this is right. And I get to, and right. I get to stay here and I want to participate right. as robustly right. as I possibly can. That's right. And that is why white women voted for Donald Trump because right. white women have historically in America been trained to support mm-hmm. and, um, and endear themselves to their husband's socioeconomic political whims for their own spiritual survival. Yeah. Because yeah. to look at their husband's face and say, what you're doing is wrong and I'm going to say something is too much for them. Yeah. It was yeah. too much. Yeah. And they are going to have to deal with the pain of that in yeah. order for them to be able to say, yeah. I want to be in this group of people who are willing to fight for the freedom of all people and the liberation yeah. of our souls. And until and unless that happens, it's not, it doesn't matter how many yeah. workshops we have. It doesn't matter. You know, you're so right. And I, I feel exactly the same way. And I keep thinking to, to, you know, kind of put a light underneath it and push it forward quicker. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't see them doing that themselves to that level. They you have women's circles. Conversation. They don't I'm have this conversation. I've no. literally never or heard analysis. This. This no, no, no. 
not this even, analysis. Even my, even the white women who I trust the most and work with the most. Yeah. That's not their conversation. Their conversation no. is not about healing their own relationship Mm-mm. with slavery Mm-mm. and slave ownership Mm-mm. and their husbands in the patriarchy. Now that's not, I've never heard never. Not one of them say that. Never. Their thing is about like humanity and, right. you know, like right. Right. all that, which, yeah. which is beautiful. Yeah, but they but, skipped but, over the but deeper when level. You, did, you skipped over your own healing mm-hmm. that's required yeah. for you to be in it for real and for you to yeah. invite your sisters in in a way that is actually right. um, healing and resonant for them because yeah. people who don't have the context around humanity because everybody doesn't have that, like, mm-hmm. we should fight for everyone. Everybody don't have that. No. So, like, for the people who need to face their own pain and, the, and, the, and you know, in the their own DNA and spiritual legacy, mm-hmm. Of slavery uh, as you know in the lineage of white women that's not that's not yeah I literally have never heard anyone else say that (laughs) so let me ask you a question let me Mm -hmm. ask you a question so we've identified that that is what's necessary Mm -hmm. that that internal healing for white Mm -hmm. women to 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 have that analysis and to do the work yeah in order for it to for us to you know get any further down the road together we also agree that that's not coming from them no ma'am we know it's coming from us yeah now let me ask you something as tired as we get Mm. of leading the way yes is there any energy towards leading the way for white women to see that yeah i mean i actually don't i i don't i don't think this is everybody's work but i i don't get tired about that I don't get weary of um, talking to white people about white people stuff. I mm-hmm. don't. I'm like, yeah, let's talk about it. Let's mm-hmm. go. <laughs> let's talk about it. <laughs> right, 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 right. Um, what I do, what I have done recently is to have, which is really not just about that, but really about my work in general, my life in general, mm-hmm. is about what infrastructures and, and support is required for me to do this work and do it sustainably and in a healthy way for me. Right, right. So I don't right. have to then untangle myself right. at the end no. of the day, right? right. And be right. on the pile on the floor because right. that's what I've done in no. the past. How do you take and care so, of yourself? And the other thing is like so many of the white women who I feel um, really connected to are saying to me like do not do this by yourself like we are here like we are here allow us to to step into that space with you use us to be able to do whatever work we need to do in that space and 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 I it's funny because I never I never (laughs) yeah I never I never (laughs) even thought that that was a thing because I just Mm -hmm. there's so few there's so few people who are willing to do that you know what I mean yeah but yeah I I don't for me, having those conversations is actually, I think, part of my work because yeah. I know there are so few people who are willing, willing and able to hold it, right? Yeah. But yeah. I don't, I, I'm, I, can't, I can hold it. You can hold it. I, I can, can hold, hold it, it too. I love I that. Hold it. And, you know, it goes back to me to um, this word ally, which I don't like. Um, mm-hmm. I don't like the word ally. I don't like I it. I don't use it. I'm like, don't I can't you're use trying it. to help me, girl. You better no. help yourself. That's right. Ally <laughs> is like, this is your problem and I'm going to come and help you. No, right? ma'am. And no, ma'am. that is not the, mm. but see, in, in my, I love the, the idea of partnering. So if mm-hmm. we got rid of the word ally, because yeah. ally assumes like you're coming to help me do something. That's my yeah. problem. Okay. Yeah. But if we change the word to partner, 
Yeah. And we both have issues. Yeah. Right. We both yeah. are, are bought in. And now we can have this conversation as a partner. Yeah. We can have the conversation that I need to have with you. You can have yeah. the conversation you need to have with me. Yeah. And nobody's an ally to anybody because the ally already puts into place a power structure that is not true. Yeah. And it continues to center white power. That's right. So we get rid of ally. Yeah. We become partners with white women. Yeah. Now we have a playing field where we can bring about the kind of healing that everybody needs. What do you think about that? I mean, I think it's funny because if anybody needs an ally, it's white women. Like, right. I don't, right, like right. You, right. I, right. You, you actually need our allyship and support. In oh, your absolutely. So, so that you can show up as a full partner. That's right. That's right. right. That's right. Um, but yeah, those, the, that's, there are two, there's, there's three words I do not use mm-hmm. that most people in the, mm-hmm. not most, and lots of folks use when, it talks, yeah. when they're talking about race and class. One of them is ally. I yep. do not use that word. And anybody says it to me, me, I correct them. And me I say, too. that's not something I'm interested in. Me too. I the other word it. is minority. Oh gosh. I was raised to no. not, like my father, the two words that I grew up not being able to say was the N word and the M word. Like mm-hmm, we do mm-hmm. not say minority mm-hmm. in our house. My mm-hmm. father would say, Mm-mm. that is a word that was meant to diminish us. We do not talk about ourselves that way. So I don't right. use that word. Love your parents. I don't use people of color. Right. And I'm right. like, don't erase me. Right. Don't don't right. center right. me in my right. lack of whiteness. Right. The right. least you could do is go on and say mm-hmm. indigenous, black, Latinx, mm-hmm. Asian, mm-hmm. API, mm-hmm. whatever, mm-hmm. like that, mm-hmm. it, which, which even those four or five things is not enough mm-hmm. to, to talk about the robustness of my identity right. and my culture. But that right. at least, at least let's start there. Like I don't, yeah. I do not yeah. want to be yeah. defined yeah. by my lack of whiteness. That's just as right. bad as, Right. It's centering whiteness. POC no, centers whiteness. Like, why are we still centering white people? Right. Yeah. 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 Well, y- you know, I. Th- Liberation three... vocabulary 101, folks. Take some things <laughs> out your vocabulary today. <laughs> I think that was a good lesson already. I mean, we can close the book now and say, you know, this is done because th- that right there, those three, those, <laughs> those three lessons are uh, enough. So that was. No yeah. allies, no, no allies, no minorities, and no, no people, people of, of color. color. Okay, Mm-mm. done, Mm-mm. done. <laughs> Not on the brown rice hour, honey. <laughs> Not on the brown rice hour. <laughs> we don't do that. <laughs> oh, I love you so much, girl. Oh, you are really you. You, you. No, no, no. You, you, you. You know, I think about all that you've done and all that, and you imbue everything with mm. this, with this. With this Anasaism, you. you know, this this Anasaism is just like if you can't help yourself. It's I all pervasive. I just stopped trying. I was like, yeah. bump it. No, 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 no. Don't even stop. Don't even stop. I mean, it's like I think about like I said, when I started out, I think about um people want to see a linear line go across no. your life. Oh, you started here and then you did this yeah. and you did this and this no. and, and it all makes sense. Over here. They don't do that, right? Yeah, I mean, it was the first time I met you and I and I heard, because I didn't even, like, oddly enough, I didn't even meet you through the social justice. I met you because we have a mutual friend from music industry, Suzanne Koga. That's right. So when I met you and I heard your story, I was like, ah, there's another me on the planet. <laughs> Someone <laughs> understands me. <laughs> oh. And we're going to live in an intentional community too. Don't forget that. <laughs> yes. 
yes. And that's why I will always show up for you because yeah. I feel like you showing up for you is showing up for myself. Yeah. Because you Thank are you. the only person literally that I've ever met in yeah. my whole entire life whose path yeah. mirrors mine. And if I say anything to you at all, you are going to understand what I'm talking about. You will not look at me funny. You will not cock your head to the side. You will not ask for explanation. You'll be like, I got you. I got you. I That's got right. you. And vice and that, versa. And vice versa. And that it's, is like, it's rare. I mean, when it we is. Met, yeah. And I saw, yeah, our parallel paths, yes. literally. Crazy. But not only just the things we do, the but people how, and but how we do it and what's underneath yes, it. That's because right. you know what that's it right. is? That's Let right. me tell you what it is, Anasa. Tell me. I think it has a lot to do with the fact that I know how I grew up and how you grew up. I grew yes. up loved. Yes, me too. And you grew up loved. 100%. Your family loved you. My they family did. loved me. Mm-hmm. I never, ever, ever, ever mm-hmm. questioned that. It no. was, we were surrounded by love and the possibility to do anything you can and you yes. want to in the world. Yes. That's the story I was told. That's the story you were told. That was the and that foundation, that, gave me. that foundation makes a huge, especially as black women in America. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Because the, the, the story out there that's coming feeding back to you is just the mm-hmm. opposite. Right. That's right. And I always have that um, story that my parents told me to to lean on when people try to tell me something different and I don't have to listen to them. And it's funny because my parents will call me and be like, we're so proud. You did this thing. You did that thing. I'm like, I learned it from y'all. What are you talking about? Because <laughs> my parents, like my parents have similar lives. My, my parents like started off in education. My mother was an English teacher. My dad was a, had a degree in gym education, like physical education. Mm-hmm. And they ended up, then my parents went to professional school when I was three years old. My mother went mm. to law school. My dad went to medical school. Then my father got into public health and my mother was a deputy attorney general, but they were also mm. dancers and drummers and mm. Mm. advocates. And yeah. my mother was a lay leader at the church house. It was like, I am doing all the things that y'all did. It just looks different because, yeah. Yeah. you know, cause it's me, yeah. but I, my parents um, definitely, definitely always told me I could literally, they would say, you can do anything, (laughs) anything, anything. And I believed them. And, you know, clearly you did. And the other thing is because my father was a doctor, my mom was a lawyer. When I was in middle school and people would say, what are you going to be when you grow up? They they would not say, what are you going to be? They would say, are you going to be a doctor or a lawyer? Right. Right. No and question. For a like, black girl, for those to be her two options. And I would be mad, like, I don't have to do either one. <laughs> like, how dare you put me in a box? <laughs> because I didn't know that I didn't know that black women didn't get to do that. I didn't know yeah, yeah. that you were supposed to be a teacher. Yeah. Or a librarian. I didn't that's know. Right. That's I didn't right. know. And, and yeah. so I never mm. thought to do anything except for what my soul asked me to do. So, yeah. And you followed that. You always followed that. And you ended up in this place of culture, of deep culture. Yeah. I love that. I love that. And I, you know, I was supposed to be a lawyer and I didn't do that. I ended up in deep culture. Because you weren't supposed to be a lawyer. Because I wasn't supposed to be a lawyer. <laughs> I wasn't supposed to be a lawyer. I mean, that was the whole point in my house was culture. My parents, the reason my name is Anasa is because my parents were trying to build a West African cultural framework for me and my sister so we would know that who we were was dope, mm. no matter what. Right, 
that's right. all that's all they were doing and so right. it just the thing that is interesting to me though like the thing that i'm um, asking myself because what they also did was weave the story for me about um about justice mm-hmm. which which means they're weaving a story about injustice right so right right the thing i don't know is who i would be if i wasn't making myself responsible for untangling race class and gender See. like if i just was like and i could do any, right if i was actually free actually free. not free of white people not free of race not free of nothing but just free just period free. right what would i be doing and that is my discovery right now that is what i'm asking myself right now it's like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. well what if there was what if there you didn't have to think about that right what if you didn't have right. to think about right right that right. what would you do see that's a that's a deep question and you know I, I i always find myself in situations like for example i'm on a board and um i'm on a lot of boards too many boards but mm-hmm. this one particular board is like you know i i find myself like i'm on the board because i've got a lot of ideas <laughs> right of course. i've got a lot that i could add of course but i spend 99% of my time not adding to to the vision, but stomping out yes. the madness yes. around race and yes. patriarchy and all yes. that. Yes. And so now my voice, like that's who Conda that's is. That's who you are. On that's that who board. I am on that board. When I can't even get to mm-hmm. why I really want to be there mm-hmm. because all this I'm battling and showing yeah. up because I can't not do it. Yeah. I can't yeah. not let something go by and not, yeah. I can't, yeah. right? And so I spend that. And so that becomes my identity versus all this richness that I have to add. Actual identity with this creative genius. That's right. And I can't get to it. And I can't get to it. So it's like, that's the question that you're asking. Like, what if none of that was there and we had the ability to not deal with that, but to just bring our creative juices? Can you imagine? I mean, that's why I started the big we. The big we. Let's talk about the big we. was really like the mechanism I wanted to create to answer the question of who would I be if I was free? Mm. And I, you know, it's an experiment. So I'm not saying I'm free. I'm saying I got a thing to help me get free. (laughs) Do you even know what what does freedom look like? Like, what is it? Who the hell knows? I do not know. Like, don't don't know what it looks like. I don't know what it looks like or feels like or anything, but I assume that when I get there, I'll know, or I I assume that the pursuit of it is worse. Ooh, girl. Maybe it's not a goal. Maybe Maybe it's not a goal. Maybe it's just the path, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, because the the inquiry alone is transformative. Right. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Actually, I want to be free in real life. And what does that mean? It's it's life-changing. (laughs) <laughs> life-changing conversation to be having so i gotta tell you something I feel, I feel i feel i feel really bad that i haven't been invited to the big we honey you know what? i need to be invited right come yes, on now. you can be invited come on now come on right all right oh my god that would be so good <laughs> <laughs> can i can i knock on the big we door and because i want to be free Listen, you are more than welcome to come to the big we that would be so dope Yes, you're invited. Let's figure it out. Okay, let's figure it out. Let's figure it out. What a good idea. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. The big we. Mm-hmm. And so are is that is that is a it's a group of women? Is it no. black women? So it started is it off anybody? As, no, it started off as a podcast. As so podcast. I, we started a podcast maybe two we're on season three right now. So we started mm-hmm. a podcast maybe a year and a okay. half, two years ago. Okay. And um I realized that I'm like, wait, I've been spending my whole life building cultural strategies for other people and no one's doing what I think they should do. Why don't I just okay. do it my own self? Right, right. And so I started the work of taking the podcast and expanding it from a podcast to a media platform and then mm-hmm. building all these um, interventions and engagements based on the stories that we were telling. And so right. we still have the podcast, but now I'm writing a book and we're talking about film and TV and we're talking mm. about like all the different ways that we can tell graphic novels. Like what are the stories mm. that we want to tell that embody the world that we want to live in? Like what are right. our, what are our stories of being free for real? Right. right. And then how do we engage people in those stories in such a way that they can then go and practice that freedom in their real lives? I love it. Which is like part of this reason why I'm in Memphis and why I'm doing the work at Claiborne and how the work at Claiborne is it really um, inspiring me to do more of that work across the South. So it's like, why I don't want to just tell stories to inspire people. I want to tell stories and inspire people and then invest in them so those inspirations can come to life. Good. You know what I'm Good. saying? Because yes. like Beautiful. too many of us are telling stories to do like the quote unquote narrative shift and then we leave it at that. And right. there's no right. way for people to practice being the way that we're asking them to be in our stories. And right, so right. the big we is really for anyone who um, who wants to tell a story of liberation. Mm, mm. <laughs> You're so badass. Yes. I love you. You are just <laughs> amazing. Nasa Trotman. Oh my God. And, and, and we haven't even gotten to Claiborne Temple and you as a developer. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? That's so crazy. crazy is that? that is so I'm crazy. Never, you're a developer. I I'd be a developer. So, I born Claiborne Temple. Mm-hmm. You want to yeah. tell me a so, little bit, tell the audience a little bit about what that is and how that happened and yeah. what you're doing? Yeah. So, oh. I came. And the importance to of that place, of that yeah. historical. Yeah. So, I came to Memphis because I have a girls' program and I was. Um, getting I had a funder here and I there was someone was like you should go by Cleveland Temple and I'm like I don't know what that is okay I'll go and I go by and I open the door and like walk in and my whole brain exploded with all these colors and stories and voices and I'm like what what have I just walked into <laughs> what is this place juicy turns out it is the historic organizing headquarters for the sanitation worker strike of 1968 which your listeners would know um if they know those iconic i am a man signs Mm -hmm. those signs came from this movement and Mm -hmm. it was the last campaign that martin luther king did before he was assassinated and in fact he was assassinated four tenths of a mile down the road from historic labor temple at the hotel at the lorraine motel right and so the interesting thing about the building, so, well, I, I could talk about this for four hours, so I'm going to do this, okay, the yeah, super short exactly, version. Exactly, right. Because this building is one of the most beautiful spaces I've ever been in, but it also, mm. to me, is um, 
the embodiment of the story of race, class, and militarism in America, mm-hmm. right? And if you if you listen to King's speech that he made a year to the day before he died, April 4th, 1967, um, at Riverside Church, the Beyond Vietnam speech. Yep, yep. Where he said, like, the work the work we've done around race is really powerful, but if we really want to have a free country, we have to do the we have to do the work of the intersection of race, class, and militarism. That's right. And the reason why he came to Memphis to work with the sanitation workers is because he saw that work being exemplified in Memphis and he was mm-hmm. having a hard time convincing people that that was the right thing to do because mm-hmm. they were like, you are messing us up. We're right. losing donors. We right. need to focus on race. Like stop talking about race. all this other stuff. We don't need right. to have a multiracial low, like poverty, poverty. What? No, we were talking about black people. Keep Stay focused and keep it moving. And so he was like, if I go to Memphis and I help them make this work, then I can show people what I mean and have a way to be able to take this conversation to scale across the country. And he was planning the poor people's campaign, right? So that's right. So the work of the sanitation worker strike that was happening at Claiborne Temple was to be his MVP for the for mm-hmm. the right for the <laughs> for, for the poor people's campaign. He was like, this is my proof of concept. Mm-hmm. I can make this work. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. when I started to like really research all oh, right so i eventually started working with the guys who owned the building and was um commissioned to co-write and produce a musical about the sanitation worker strike for the 50th anniversary of king's assassination that's how i got involved with them okay and so i'm researching reading all these things watching movies talking to people and i read the story about the first african-american millionaire mm-hmm. named robert church mm-hmm. and how he was a, a slave. He was in, in a, a mixed race enslaved African whose father was his master. But we talked about this earlier, um, and whose whose father was also his officer um, in the uh, in the Confederate Army. Oh. Right. It's the whole very convoluted thing. So there's this whole thing. Mm-hmm. Civil War comes, Union Army comes, they're, mm-hmm. the, the, Na- the Union Navy, because they're on the Mississippi River, okay. having like straight up war battles war. on the Mississippi, right? Right, right And right. the Union Navy comes and Robert Church is like, this is my chance. I, guess I, can, I, can, I can go. And mm-hmm. the story is that he jumps ship off of mm-hmm. his dad's ship mm-hmm. and he swims to the shore and he frees himself and he ends up making this whole fortune in real estate mm-hmm. in downtown Memphis. It's a very, really, amazing, it's an amazing story. Wow. But the point that's is, the movie like, right there. It's, I want to write his movie so bad. Yeah, that's a movie. Mm-hmm. So the thing is like, he has this whole thing. There's like yellow fever plague, like half of Memphis dies or leaves. Mm-hmm. He saves the city by buying the first municipal bond. He has all this land. He grows his empire more. He found, he's the founder of Beale Street. He's, he makes he's the, the founder of Beale Street. Founder of Beale Street. The, the, um, the supporter of W.C. Handy, the supporter of Ida B. Wells, like all the work that oh she did in God. Memphis. He paid for all of it. Like oh his story, right? And then the second generation, his son, you've ever heard um his son is as robert church jr mary church terrell if you heard that name is his daughter so like his kids are like very active in the in politics as black wow. people in the turn wow. of the century right wow so his son is like my dad built you know um financial uh, wealth for black people i'm gonna build political wealth for us and he goes to this mm. whole thing gets mm. in bed with the white power politicians in memphis they eventually seize all his land 
mm-hmm. and then burn his father's house to the ground. Mm-hmm. And what I realized, because the, coincidentally, this all happens around the corner from historic Claiborne Temple. Okay. And what I realized is that the history of Claiborne Temple and the history of Memphis mm-hmm. from the beginning Mm-hmm. right from the day that Batman jump ship is yeah. right is this continuum like the 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 mayor in 1968 is is the is the mayor in the 1800s that was right it's like this whole consistent story of yeah. 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 of um of the 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 work of black folks to build this mm-hmm. power Mm-hmm. and sovereignty mm-hmm. and the white power structure doing their best to destroy it right and even to today and right. i was like oh oh this 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 story is not about the sanitation workers at all <laughs> this uh, this my work here is not about this one moment just like right. Right. i need to stay here and i need to help restore the legacy of the sanitation workers but also robert church and mary church from ida b wells and Right, right, Cornelia Crenshaw and all of them, yep. right? Yep. Reverend Lawson, yep. I'm like, these yep. are the people whose stories that I need yep. to hold, yep. a retell, and then animate mm-hmm. for people because because so that they can practice in the 21st century. Mm-hmm. And so Claiborne Temple, like there's a whole dramatic story about how I wrestled with, not really, but like wrestled with the owner, had a really terrible, nasty power struggle with this old older white man Christian evangelical who looked at me in my face and said no one's ever going to give you money you can't do this you might as well just stop and how I raised his money and bought this building from him right that's a whole another two hours so 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 so, but the but the end result is that you raised the money and you raised the money you 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 bought the building we got the building so you got the building we now are like yeah, we're we're doing this restorative economy work, restorative Amazing. restorative de- development. We're telling stories and we're inviting people in, and we're like, oh, this is not just a Memphis story. This is an international conversation yeah. about yeah. like the sovereignty yeah. of Black wealth, the sovereignty yeah. of Black culture, and our stories and the impact that we have on the planet. Anessa yeah. Troutman, I'm telling you. I, I mean, you just passing through. <laughs> <laughs> And now you own Claiborne, Claiborne Temple. It's amazing. It's amazing. Just, and, you and know, it, you know again, it's that ev- going back to the beginning of the conversation that you said, this yeah. evolutionary impulse. I think of it yeah. as an evolutionary impulse yeah. that is alive and well, that we yeah. are fl- being animated through, making choices think, along the way, but completely animating our lives. I think even back further right. to the beginning of our conversation when you're like, acknowledging the land and acknowledging our ancestors because I I honestly think that the souls who are uh, living in and attached to Claiborne Temple asked me to do this work like the black people who who toiled you know like all the names I mentioned all of the sanitation workers all the you know people whose names we will never know yeah they, I don't think that they were pleased with what was happening and they were looking for someone to liberate that space and give it back to black people. Right. And I think, um, the conversation that we've been having, not just about black folks, but like, how do we reconcile the conversation that even in ownership of a space that became a black sacred space is really indigenous sacred land that's right and how are we supposed to how do we have that conversation because right. you can't be like well no that's one right. should own it because then someone right. else will right and right right so really this, like all the wrestling right. that we're doing 
Mm, that is so at the core of the conversation of land. It is. It's like at the conversation of land right. is stewardship and ownership right. because right. we don't own it. And yet, if you don't mm. own it, you know Somebody who's going to own it. It's going to be developed. It's going to. That's right. So you got to own it and steward it. Yeah. And it's like that combination of ownership yeah. and stewardship is it's what you're doing. It's a difficult and really juicy yeah. place to be. And you know what you said is that, and this is what I really believe mm-hmm. is happening right now on this planet. Mm-hmm. And it always has, but it's just heightened now. And it has to do with our ancestors. And that is why I always begin with that, because I do believe that. The intensity of what's going on right now and our response to this, to this virus, and I'm not talking about the coronavirus, I'm talking about the virus of humanity's lack of sacredness and and destroying everything in in its way. I believe that there is a direct speaking to of our our ancestors are are driving us to do the work that we're doing right now. Thank I you. feel it so strongly, and I feel it so strongly. I know that the many, many millions and millions and millions mm-hmm. of hours mm-hmm. that they toiled, all right, and, mm-hmm. and all, everything that happened, mm-hmm. that those hours that they never got paid, mm-hmm. that they have been banked as time. <laughs> you know what? You just said something. They have been banked as time, and we are Golly. stepping into this time zone where that's where the energy is, and it's moving us forward. That is what I really believe. Whoa. Oh, whoa. Whoa. That's what I believe. Whoa. And that's I also, and it's not just for Black folks. I'm talking white folks, all of us. You know, white folks have lost the connection to even claiming ancestry we all have ancestors Listen, i keep telling these people and i don't care who you got people, ancestors ancestors everybody has indigenous wisdom because we people all are have from indigenous somewhere. that's right we all have indigenous wisdom mm-hmm. and 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 the buying into you know what whiteness has brought to yeah. to folks it was like everybody. at the cost of what of losing and and walking away from the ancestors yeah. and that's the one thing that we at least have held on yeah. to and it is the motivating and driving animating factor yeah. that I think is playing out right now. So Amen. I love that you said that, that, you know, you're going to play Born Temple and knowing that there's a deeper reason why I'm here yeah. and just saying yes. And that's the thing yeah. about you, Anasa, is that you say yes. Yes, I do. You say yes. And it mm-hmm. comes again back to your parents and to mm-hmm. how you were raised mm-hmm. and loved and saying yeah. you are a yes person on this planet that is so beautiful (laughs) that's who you are honestly that's awesome thank you for saying that yeah and and that's why I just I I see you (laughs) so deeply and resonate so deeply and I'm so I always say I'm proud of you I'm just proud of you (laughs) (laughs) and all the work that you're doing in community and for the world and for all people and that you still have that that love and desire and patience and to work with everyone and yeah. say, let's do this together because our liberation is tied. That's right. Our liberation is tied. I'm not going to get out of this yeah. without you. Nope. And I'm not going to get out of this without Karen. Nope. She okay. Come too. Karen got to come. And Karen got to do some work. Too. <laughs> Karen got to do some work, but Karen got to come. Yeah. I can't well, I get like out of it say, without her. I like to say that my goal in life is to build spaces where everyone is welcome and everybody's clear about the rules of engagement. 
Yeah. Uh, you can come in here as long as you follow the rules. You can't Stay just be up in here acting crazy. But That's you can right. be up in here, and until you're ready to come inside and follow the rules, you can sit outside in front of the door. But you yeah. can hear all this singing and smell the food and hear mm. feel the warm air coming out from there inside. There and maybe it'll entice you to get your act together because you are, anytime you are ready, to You're engage welcome. in your that's full right. humanity with our full that's humanity. Right. You are welcome to come inside. Yeah, that's what I love. That's what I love. And yeah. it's interesting because that's those are the spaces that that I have been had the, you know, blessing to build when I yes. built, you know, Impact Hub Oakland was yeah. that that space of come yeah. on in here and come on in here yeah. right. And let's get right together. Yeah. And let's get right together. Well, yeah. you know, we 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 we've had our time and I just have time. to say, um, <laughs> <laughs> wow I love you so much thank you for having me and thank you for living um, a life that I can follow mm. Mm. I don't know who's following who <laughs> <laughs> I just think we side by side right now my sister I'm we here for it let's side. go let's we side go. by side <laughs> I love you you take good care of yourself stay safe stay, you stay stay healthy you too and all this this crazy virus and we need you. We need you. Mm-hmm. We need you in your fullness, taking care of yourself and doing the good work. And yeah, yeah. many blessings to you, my friend. <laughs> I love you. I love you. Peace and blessings. I love this conversation. It's so good. <laughs> I know. We'll pick it up. We'll continue to pick it up. <laughs> we'll be off. See camera. you in Memphis. See you in Memphis. I'll be there. <laughs> All right, love. Be All right. Well. Okay. Bye-bye.